It was most likely the best victory of Max Verstappen's career, starting 10th on the grid in Hungary on a circuit where overtaking is difficult, recovering from a spin and still winning by eight seconds. It's a victory that has put the world championship theoretically out of reach for Ferrari, who once again found a way to mess up. We're going to review the Hungarian Grand Prix and talk about this win for Verstappen and Red Bull. Plus, we'll explore the disaster of a day for Charles Leclerc, who should have won this Grand Prix. We'll also go over all 10 teams on the grid and discuss the news that Fernando Alonso will return in 2023 with a new team, but the person that is supposed to replace him doesn't want to race for Alpine. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. If you like what we're doing, if you're brand new, I hope you'll subscribe. You can reach me on Twitter at Tony D Radio, and you can also like our Facebook page, the Overtake F1 podcast. All right, so let's get to it. The Hungarian Grand Prix. All right, so you know how in movies there's a plot where someone's family is kidnapped and then the kidnappers make that one person that they need to do something, do crazy things that are just out of the norm, right? And he's doing absolutely inexplicable things like he's shutting down a business or he's closing an account or he's cashing out a big, a uh, big, you know, big amount of money and putting it in a duffel bag. Right. And it, everyone's kind of wondering, why are you doing this? And, you know, in the end, he's like, I got to do it to save my family. Doesn't that feel like what Ferrari is doing? Because it feels like every time we go into a Grand Prix, everybody around the world is expecting Ferrari to screw up and then they continue to screw up and you're like, but that's kind of inexplicable. Why are you doing that? And they're just like, ah, we, we don't know. So that's the familiarity that I have with what's going on with the Scuderia right now. They are expected to screw up every single Grand Prix and they don't let us down because they do it. This time it was taking Charles Leclerc, who had a mountain to climb anyway, if he was going to get back into this championship fight with Verstappen and then giving him tires that no one was, thought was working at the Hungaro ring. They had the data from other teams that the hard tire were not good and they were not a good option. And they went with them anyway. And it not only cost Leclerc a potential win, his sixth place finish destroyed the very slim hope that he could get back into the world championship anyway. Remember, he was trailing by 63 going into this weekend. And now it's, he's trailing by 80. That dream is now dead with nine races remaining. The story of the Hungarian Grand Prix, though, starts on Saturday with qualifying. And that's where George Russell earned the pole position. He edged out the Ferraris of Carlos Sainz starting second and Leclerc starting third. So Ferrari had two of the top three spots on the grid. And so where was Red Bull? Well, Max Verstappen had a power issue in Q3. He was 10th on the grid behind the Ferraris, behind the Mercedes, behind Alpine, behind both McLarens, and even behind Valtteri Bottas. Sergio Perez, he was 11th. He didn't even get into Q3. So here's a terrific opportunity for Ferrari. Get Leclerc up front. He was likely to have a better race pace than George Russell. Keep Verstappen back on a circuit where it's historically been hard to overtake. Win the race and gain valuable points on a massive 63-point deficit before you head into the summer break. Maybe you pick up 10 points, maybe more. But alas, the day ends up giving Max Verstappen a lead in the championship of 80 with nine races remaining. On Sunday, Mercedes was rather bullish on Russell's chances to win the Grand Prix from the front, but they also knew the two Ferraris were going to be tough to hold off, and it showed right away on the opening lap. Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc were really on top of Russell in those early turns. They had grip that they wanted on the medium tires, and Russell was struggling on the softs. But once he settled in, Russell was able to get a cushion from both Ferraris. He defended really well. 
The virtual safety car, though, came out on lap two after Alex Albon's car left some debris on the track. And after the car was released a few laps, after the cars were released a few laps later, Verstappen was starting to make his move towards the front. He was already up to eighth, five laps in, and behind Fernando Alonso for seventh. He then made a pass without any problems. Remember how Alonso defended so well last year against the hard-charging Lewis Hamilton? Well, he ended up slipping off the track for just a second, and that was enough for Max. It just gave him all the room that he needed to make the overtake. Now, the tire choices at the start of the race were going to play into the strategy, which is a given anyway, but there was just as many mediums that started the Grand Prix as softs. And the window for those softs was starting to come up 12 to 15 laps in. So that meant the leader, George Russell, was going to have to box to change the tires, and he did that on lap 16. So with that stop, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc are now 1-2. They're on mediums. Further back, Max Verstappen, who's on softs, he moves up to the fifth place position, but they bring him in on lap 17 and they change him out to mediums. The Red Bull strategy for this race was incredible. We'll get to that in just a minute. Russell comes out sixth. Verstappen comes out eighth. The two Ferraris are up front. They have a nine second lead over Hamilton in third. Ferrari gets Carlos Sainz in on lap 18. He gets a fresh set of mediums. Leclerc is now the leader. And they were trying for the overcut of Russell, but a slow pit stop put him behind Russell when he came back out. Leclerc, he comes in on lap 22 and got a set of mediums. Russell's back out in front, but Leclerc did get ahead of Carlos Sainz for P2, and that set up the great battle with Russell for the lead of the race. He was right on the back end of the Mercedes, but Russell was good at defending lap after lap, but you could tell at this point it's only a matter of time. Ferrari's got the better pace. Leclerc was strong. He eventually got the lead on lap 31 down the front stretch using DRS. So we're at the halfway point of the Grand Prix, and Ferrari has the lead of the race with Max Verstappen running fourth. There's still a lot of racing left, but then things start to change a little bit. Verstappen comes in on lap 39. He gets a new set of medium tires. That's his second of the day. One lap later, Ferrari brings in Charles Leclerc and gives him the hard tires. And this is the moment that the race changed for the worst for the Scuderia. And boy, was it disastrous. Alpine had their drivers on softs. It didn't work. Kevin Magnussen had trouble on the tire, too. Ferrari put Leclerc, the race leader at the time, on a set of tires nobody liked. Not even Pirelli. And they should have never been part of any winning strategy devised by the team. Verstappen is flying around this circuit and passed Leclerc on lap 41. However, he could not put Leclerc away because Verstappen made one mistake. He spun out on the penultimate corner, and while he did save the car and get it back out on the track, Leclerc passed him and found him in a battle with George Russell for fourth. A few laps later, though, Verstappen passes Leclerc again and was third, with only Lewis Hamilton and Carlos Sainz in front of him. Leclerc's tires were a disaster. He had no grip at all. Martin Brundle called them concrete tires. Sainz comes in and he's put on softs. They're trying to get him on the fastest tires possible to get back to the front with about 20 laps remaining. Lewis Hamilton had the lead. Five seconds ahead of Verstappen. He comes in on lap 52. He gets softs to also get him to the end. And with that box of Hamilton, Max Verstappen has the lead of the Hungarian Grand Prix. 
Leclerc to make one more pit stop coming in on lap 55 for soft tires. The hards were a mistake. He lost any competitiveness on the track with those on the car. It's another mistake for a team this season. One they should have seen based on how the tires were reacting with all the other cars. It was an incredibly costly mistake because Verstappen stayed out on those mediums and won the Grand Prix. Mercedes finished 2-3 with Lewis Hamilton running second and Russell third. Carlos Sainz finishes fourth. Sergio Perez fifth. Remember, he started 11th. And Leclerc, who started P3, sixth. Ferrari had started second and third on the grid. They had better pace than Russell up front, and yet they finished fourth and sixth behind both Mercedes cars. Incredible. As for Verstappen, he started 10th, moved through the field on a circuit that's hard to overtake. He suffered a spin-out and still won by eight seconds. It was his 28th career win. It all but slammed the door on any championship hopes Ferrari has. Charles Leclerc had started so strong, but this is now way out of reach. 80 points with nine races remaining. So now these teams will go into the summer break. Verstappen has an 80-point lead with nine races to go. Sergio Perez is now just five points behind Leclerc for P2 in the Drivers' Championship. Red Bull is in control of the Constructors' Championship. They lead Ferrari by 97. But now, watch out for Mercedes. They're only 30 points behind Ferrari for P2, closing the gap by 36 points over the last two races. So as I said earlier, it was a great strategy call by Red Bull, and their strategist, Hannah Schmitz, is getting a lot of press coverage because of the result for those two drivers that started down the grid. They were going to start on the hard tires, but then switch to softs on race day, and that allowed them to do a soft, medium, medium strategy. Ferrari had both drivers start on the mediums, but Leclerc went medium, medium, hard, soft, and Sainz went medium, medium, soft. So what went wrong? Well, Formula One rules state that teams must use two different types of tires during the race. Starting on mediums put Ferrari in a very interesting position. They could start with mediums and then do a medium-soft stop like Carlos Sainz did. But when Verstappen came in for his final sets of mediums after starting the race on softs, Ferrari felt that they needed to stop Leclerc after that. But they couldn't put him on softs because it would mean another stop. The softs weren't going to get him till the end of the Grand Prix. And they couldn't put him on another set of mediums because they'd have to bring him in again because, again, he has to be on two different kinds of tires. So the hard tires were the option. Now, Mattia Bonato defends this decision on the hard tires. He said he felt the tire would perform well once it got warmed up. But they never used them in the three practice sessions that they had over the weekend. They also saw the problems with the other teams that they were having with soft tires. And it was abundant. With the cooler temperatures, the tire couldn't heat up as quickly, and therefore Leclerc was losing a second a lap, plus 20 seconds for the extra pit stop that he had to take to get on softs. When you look back on this season, between pit mistakes, driver errors, performance issues, and now tire strategy, Ferrari keeps finding ways to lose. And the once promising battle between these two young superstars just never lasted throughout the season. I go back to my movie analogy. Remember their main character. He's doing crazy things because somebody's got his family held hostage. When you watch Ferrari perform and you go, why are you doing this? You wonder, does somebody have their family hostage? Because all of their decisions are head scratchers. And it's, I'll tell you this, this is the one problem that I have with Ferrari. 
if everybody in the world thinks you're going to make a mistake and you continue to make mistakes, thus fulfilling the prediction of everybody around the globe who predict that somehow, some way you'll screw it up. That's something internal that you've got to fix because they're not fixing it. And when they come back from the break, it's just too much. 80 points is ridiculous. Max Verstappen could sit out three Grand Prix's and still lead in the championship, even if Charles Leclerc won all three races and had fastest lap in all three races. It's crazy. So that being said, Ferrari needs to go back to the drawing board and figure this out for the rest of the season to get on to 2023 as strong as possible. All right, let's get to our team reports. These are going to be quick because I want to get to Fernando Alonso and the mess that happened this week with drivers changing teams and drivers not going to teams. So let's do a quick team report rundown for Hungary as we all head into the summer break. Red Bull, banner day for the team. Obviously with Verstappen pulling off one of the greatest wins of his career, for them to not only win the race but make Ferrari look ridiculous with their strategy, it's a win, win, win for the team. You really shouldn't win in Hungary from 10th on the grid, but Verstappen won with eight seconds to spare. I can't stress that enough. Sergio Perez had a great day, too. He's went from 11th to 5th. They're just running away with everything right now. Ferrari, do I have to continue bashing this team? Probably not, so I won't. I told you the story. P4 for Carlos Sainz, P6 for Charles Leclerc. They just keep finding ways to mess up races. I'm not going to get into this anymore because I've been, I've been on it too much. Mercedes, after earning a pole position, George Russell just didn't have the pace to hold off for Stappen, but in the end, both drivers finished on the podium. Hamilton had a long second stint on his tires. He was able to get on softs at the end. Mercedes is going to catch Ferrari for P2 in the constructors. That's my prediction. I don't, I don't, it's it's not a, I'm not alone with this. I think there's a lot of people who think this is going to happen. They are red hot right now. I still think they're going to win a Grand Prix this season. I still do. I just think there's going to be a certain circumstance that Mercedes is going to be able to take advantage of. I don't think they have the pace for Red Bull or Ferrari on their good day. But in the end, I think Mercedes is going to find a way somehow win a Grand Prix this season. I just, I'm not sure who is going to win it, Hamilton or Russell. But one of them, I think, is going to win a race this year. It was just a great day for the team in Hungary. Alpine. The P4 battle with McLaren is right now in the hands of Alpine after both Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso earned points on Sunday. Ocon finished P9 after using a one-stop strategy. It could have been better, but the hard tires, again, just weren't that good, and both drivers fell back on those. Alonso finished 8th. Again, the hard tires. They could have had a better day, but of course, everybody who were on hard tires suffered a bit. Uh, but they did get a double points finish, and they go into the summer break in P4 in the constructors ahead of McLaren. As for for McLaren, Lando Norris started fourth but finished seventh. Daniel Ricciardo finished 15th. So once again, Lando Norris is scoring points for the team in their battle with Alpine, and Ricciardo really isn't. Norris simply said they didn't have the pace, and seventh was the best they could have done. Ricciardo, though, did have one of the most fantastic overtakes that I've seen this season, passing both Alpines. That was just great to see. We still love Danny Rick. He's just struggling this year. In the end, however, he just had no grip. The hard tires were a mess. He suffered a penalty after making contact with Lance Stroll. And Andreas Seidel pointed out that all six cars from the top three teams finished up front. So Norris was essentially best of the rest for McLaren on Sunday. Uh, Alfa Romeo, tough day for the team. Both were trying to get, be on a one-stop strategy, but the hard tires were awful and they dropped off after climbing up the field. Valtteri Botas had to retire due to a technical issue. Remember, he started ninth, uh, but he simply just lost power. Zhou Guan Yu finishing 13th. Alfa Tauri, a pretty good 
day for Pierre Gasly. I think lost in all this is Gasly had a pretty good day. He started on pit row after a power unit change. He finished 12th. He was really happy with that. Yuki Tsunoda, though, spun out when some drizzle came down from the skies. He finished 19th. Haas, Kevin Magnussen finished 16th, had some early contact with Daniel Ricciardo. He ended up having like an end plate hanging off and was forced to pit. He got the uh, the orange-black ch- flags and had to come in for the pit stop. Mick Schumacher finished 14th. He gambled on the wrong tires. I can only have you guess which tires those were. Williams, their day wasn't good either. Nicholas Latifi finished 18th. Alex Albon ran 17th. Latifi had some early damage on the front wing, and Albon also had some damage early in the race as well. All right, I saved Aston Martin for last because they've got a story coming up that I want to get to. Sebastian Vettel in his first race since announcing his retirement finished 10th, getting that final point. Lance Stroll finished 11th. They actually swapped places because they wanted to track down Esteban Ocon, but the virtual safety car came out that hurt hurt Vettel's chances of getting a ninth place finish. Stroll had that contact with Ricardo, and that really hurt any chance that he had to get into the top 10. All right, so that is our team report. So let's get to the big story that happened right after the Hungarian Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso announcing that he is going to be racing for Aston Martin next season. Now, he's going to take over the seat that has been vacated by Sebastian Vettel, who announced his retirement prior to the race. So he is now switching teams and going to a team that right now is less competitive than Alpine. We talked just talked about it. They're fighting for P4 in the constructors. Esteban Ocon won the Hungarian Grand Prix last year. They've been pretty good, but Aston Martin is nowhere near good. I mean, they're nowhere near competitive, but nevertheless, he's moving on to a different team. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. One, when you follow sports as close as some of you do, you know that a lot of it has to do with contract. A lot of it has to do is, do you want me as long as I want to be here? And in Alpine's case, that really wasn't what they wanted. They, they had a contract extension talk with Fernando Alonso, meaning that they wanted to give him a contract for next year, and then we'll see a year after that. So we'll, we'll sign you for 2023, but after that, we'll, we'll wait and see. And with a lot of young drivers coming up, you could see Fernando Alonso being a little nervous about that. Like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm looking for a longer commitment. So if you're Aston Martin, Martin and you're looking for a veteran to be in the seat while Lance Stroll is occupying the other seat, it sort of makes sense that this is where you want to go. And here's the other thing. Lawrence Stroll has been putting a lot of money into this team. They've got upgraded facilities, got a brand new facility um, at Silverstone. They've got a new wind tunnel. They've been really putting a lot of money to get that car competitive in for years down the road. And if you give a, this veteran driver, this two-time world champion, a longer commitment, then yeah, he's going to jump ship. That He wants to stay in Formula One. And there is a rise of youth that is coming up. And even if you're a two-time world champion, sometimes you can't hold back young drivers. You know, we saw it with George. Russell. Eventually, teams are going to want to bring in the youth movement of the current era. And even though Alonso has been having a pretty good season, eventually young drivers are going to get those seats. So if you can, if you're Fernando Alonso and you are in your 40s and you want to continue to race in Formula One, then you've got to go with a team that's willing to be com- com- give you a, the kind of commitment that you're looking for. And for Aston Martin, it makes total sense. They don't want a rookie in that seat when Lance Stroll. They want a veteran. It's what made Sebastian Vettel so attractive in the first place when he came over from Ferrari. They want a steady hand, a guy that will c- have a conversation with them about his experience. That's what Vettel did. That's what Vettel provided the team. And, and Fernando Alonso is a perfect veteran to put in that seat with Lance Stroll. Now, it does seem 
seem a little weird, again, going from a competitive team like Alpine to a non-competitive team. But remember, it's really more about the contract commitment than it is about trying to win another world championship. It's staying in the sport when this youth movement is coming up. And that brings us to the second story. Oscar Piastri, who is the reigning Formula 2 world champion from Australia, he's been an Alpine Academy driver for a number of years now, four to be exact. And so they're announcing that Piastri is now going to be moving up to Formula 1 to race for Alpine in the seat that has been vacated by Fernando Alonso. But Piastri goes, no, I'm not. He says, hold on. They put out a press release that said I'm driving for them next season. I am not driving for them next season. This is exactly what Piastri said, quote, I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 has put out a press release late this afternoon that said I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong. I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. There could possibly be legal action that Alpine takes against Piastri because they feel that he is under contract to drive for them in Formula One. But Piastri wants to get a seat with McLaren. The problem is, is that Lando Norris isn't going anywhere. It's Daniel Ricciardo that people are looking at. He's under contract through 2023. Same thing with Lando Norris. And because Ricciardo is struggling this season, people are making the connection that McLaren is going to try to get out of that Ricciardo contract for next season. And Oscar Piastri is going to come over and take that seat we don't know yet we don't know right now but it's but it is believed by many who cover the sport that piastri has signed a contract with mclaren meaning that he could end up with as one of three drivers to fill up the two spaces while alpine could finish fourth in the constructor standings this year lose Fernando Alonso to a less competitive team and then see a driver who they've had in their academy for the past four seasons not drive for them when they have a vacant seat, but instead drive for the team that they're battling with right now for P4 in the constructors in McLaren. They're going to lose both Oscar Piastri and Fernando Alonso going into next season. The real twist in all this is that Daniel Ricciardo could go back to Alpine because remember, he left them when they were Renault to join McLaren. Uh, Right now, this is why they call it the silly season. I think Alpine is going to fight like hell to keep Piastri on board and put him in that car for next season. I I honest, I I would use every legal maneuver in the book if you feel that the the contract is ironclad. We'll see where this is going. Uh, I am excited about one other bit of news. Logan Sargent, the American um, F2 driver is going to be a part of FP1 and Austin in late October. I am actually going to be going to the U.S. Grand Prix, so I'm really excited about that. I finished runner-up in the DHL Commentator Challenge, Fastest Lap Commentator Challenge that they ran last year, um, and they, they, they're sending me and my uh, son to the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin in October. Um, I didn't win the competition. Uh, that went to a young lady named Joanna out of the Philippines, but I came in, I was runner-up, so I get to go to the U.S. Grand Prix courtesy of DHL. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that because, again, we talk about Colton Herter a lot on this show as the next potential American F1 driver. But uh, Logan Sargent is actually more likely to get an F1 seat than Colton Herta as we speak right now. Obviously, things could change and we, we could see how the testing goes. But nevertheless, uh, keep an eye on Logan Sargent, especially if you're an American F1 fan and you're looking for an American to be on the grid down the road. Uh, watch out for Logan Sargent. Again, we'll be in FP1 in Austin come late October. All 
All right, so that's our Hungarian Grand Prix review, including a look at Ferrari's mistakes and including a look at the driver switcheroos that are going on right now as we head into the summer break. All right, so we are going to have our first half year in review. That is coming up later in the uh, month of August before we get to the preview for the Belgium Grand Prix in Spa. Hopefully we'll actually have a race at Spa this season and not some massive washout like we did last year. All right, if you need to reach the show, you can do so on Twitter at Tony D. Radio. If you'd like to email me for any reason whatsoever, Tony D. Radio Show at Yahoo.com. I'd love the feedback. I'd love to connect with you guys. You can also find us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 Podcast. If you're not subscribed to the show, please do so. All right, we will see you down the road for our first half year in review, and then we will have the Belgian Grand Prix preview that is coming up at the end of August. Enjoy the summer break. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.